Good day, good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out a... Well, whatever it is we are now, that we are currently in the transition of a review of a movie called Wrath of Man. Now, Wrath of Man is a Guy Ritchie film. Guy Ritchie is directing his old buddy and your old buddy and my old buddy, Jason Statham, in this movie. All right, that being said, the film takes place in Los Angeles. Jason Statham plays Jason Statham in a movie about Jason Statham doing what Jason Statham does. It's a lot like Taken, a little like John Wick, kind of like Nobody, and it really does kind of fit inside of the revenge genre that has become popular. Uh, Parents are coming back to avenge the L's that their children took. And that's cool. You know, this time Jason Statham, who, by the way, has been bald for as long as we have known him, is kind of like looking like an older bald guy. Which is good, I guess, for him. All right. Now, I am sitting down with my friend Dan. Dan is the guy, the dude, the folk behind the Kenai River Wolfpack. Now, the Kenai River Wolfpack are a rugby team based here on the Kenai Peninsula. They have practices every week, especially during the summer, because if you are looking for an excuse to get out of the house and play a little bit of uh, something different with your friends, this is an opportunity to do it. You don't even necessarily have to play in the games, I think. Just show up to practice and have some fun. All right, folks. We review the movie. We talk about the movie. We make some interesting points about the movie. I will include my personal show notes in the description so that you can kind of see where my ideas and my thoughts on the movie come from. All right, folks. Now, before I move on out of here and we move on to the review of said movie, I'm going to go ahead and say that Woke and Bake as a podcast itself is winding down. It's kind of transitioning into something else because it just kind of feels about right to transition into something else. Now, the content will still be available. It'll still be there. Um... Eventually, I'm going to put a lot of it on a Patreon that, you know, you pay a buck and everything that was ever Woken Baked will probably be there or something. We'll figure something out because I don't want to just take away content that folks have enjoyed over the years and, you know, just abandon it. But at the same time, I enjoy podcasting. And so my podcasting transition is just, it's kind of transitioning. All right, and this is America. You can do that. All right, so if you have anything that you want to discuss, if there's anything that you want to go over, if there are any movies or albums you would like to review, I would love to hear about them. All right, easiest way to reach me is on the Instagram page at Woken Bake Podcast on Instagram, or you can just check out the Woken Bake Podcast Facebook group. That's still there. And it'll, we'll all just transition and move along and have fun doing it. Unless it turns out y'all really like the Woke and Bake format. In which case, 
Uh, we'll keep doing it that way. All right. Now, quick solid shout out to my supporters, Iron Asylum, Red Run Cannabis Company, and Nogi Jiu-Jitsu. I like Nogi Jiu-Jitsu. It's really cool. I'm a big fan of it. All right, there's a lot going on in the world, and we'll probably be talking about that all very, very soon. Uh, much more sooner rather than later. But with that being said, this is this is a review of Wrath of Man with Dan. Boop, boop, boop. Is that a green screen or is that like the kind of nice wood background? Screen? That's really where you live. Cabin. That's some pretty yeah, loud shit, sir. It's fucking, it's fucking nice, isn't it? <laughs> isn't <laughs> That's it? what you get when you're gonna live out way out in Sterling. You're gonna if if you're gonna live in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of nowhere, you might as well live someplace nice in the middle of nowhere. Agreed, absolutely. So, I like your, that's a dope uh, background you got there. Thank you, thank you very much. There's a, there's a buddy Yeti there, a hairy man, if you will. My connection good? Um, I, the, con- the connection's as good as it's going to be. Like, we're both in the middle of nowhere, Alaska. So the connection is yeah. what the connection's gonna be. Like, at it, it best, <laughs> it might be unstable. Yesterday, on Mother's Day, you and I abandoned our brides, and we went to go see The Wrath of Man, starring Jason Statham and directed by Guy Ritchie. Now, I was doing some research, and this is the first time those two have worked together in a very long time. The relationship... They have worked together. They've worked together uh, a lot, but not in a long time. So for me, like it was, it was cool that they were kind of getting the band back together a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do a real, uh, a real quick breakdown from Wikipedia, if you don't mind. So spoilers aren't a big deal here. We're going to spoil the whole, the whole flick. Spoiler alert. (laughs) We, we spoil the movie. There you go. Uh, from Wikipedia, Wrath of Man is a 2021 action thriller directed by Guy Ritchie from a script he co-wrote with Ivan Atkinson and Marn Davis and is based on the 2004 French film Cash Truck by Nicolas, 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 Boucrief. It's a pretty pr- common spelling, common pronunciation of that one. It's Richie's fourth directorial collaboration with Jason Statham and first since 2005's Revolver. Holt McCallany, oh. Jeffrey Donovan, Josh Hartnett, Laz Alonzo, Chris Riley, Raul Castillo, Diobio, Diobia, Aparai. Eddie Marson and Scott Eastwood also star. 
So, first off, uh, Dan, what did uh, what did you think about the film? Um, it was an action movie. There was a lot of shooting. That's uh, I think that's kind of. I didn't know a lot going into the movie, going to see it, and uh, I was entertained. I'm I'm pretty easy to uh, to be entertained as far as movies go. Like it's yeah, you. I think you mentioned something about like it seems like it doesn't seem like a new movie. It's kind of something that's been done before. I've certainly seen, uh, you know, bank trucks. You know that security. You know, they say had movies kind of revolve around that, like uh, you know what they have to deal with. You know, with protecting the money and getting, you know, robberies and shit. So, I uh, I like Jason Statham. He's a pretty stone cold serious guy and. You know, I kind of reminded me just a little bit of, uh, you know, John Wick, you know, he gets uh, gets his dog killed and he fucking goes on a rampage. I mean, this guy, spoiler alert, his uh, son dies. And yeah, he fucking, you know, he got shot after that. And still it's like, obviously, that's the whole point of the wrath of man to go go get revenge for his son's death and just all that. So it's it wasn't what it was. It was an action movie. I, um, I thought... I enjoyed it. There was some interesting parts, but it's not overly, you know, my favorite movie or nothing. It was a, it was a revenge. (laughs) Very much like, like a John Wick, like a nobody, like a taken, uh, in that Mm -hmm. some will think something bad happened to the, to a loved one of someone who is very capable of doing bad things. Right. And so that happens in this film. And and in it, yeah, it just so happens the father Jason Statham is at the part in his at the place in his life where he's playing the uh, the revenging father of an adult child. It was a weird movie because, like like you mentioned earlier, it's stuff that we'd seen before in places that we'd seen it. Uh, it was very, on one hand, reminiscent of of Heat, uh, and that you yeah. know, like. Well, you had, you know, the robbers of armored cars. You had guys that were professionals and knew what they were doing. And there were specific crews that were exceptional at it. And then there are crews that are new to it and how all of that happens. But it was at the same time very similar to a movie like SWAT. And uh, another one that really kind of stuck out to me was another Colin, uh, Colin Farrell film and... That was Miami Vice. This film felt like a lot like those mid two thousand films um, that were happening uh, in the United States at that time. Not necessary, and those are films that were probably very much inspired by Guy Ritchie films, but not as good. Like uh, like a movie like SWAT, which was taken from an old television series. But I, don't know. I mean, you know, what you're gonna get with Guy Ritchie. It's gonna be a shoot 'em up kind of. Uh... A lot, of, a lot of people body count a little bit there. Well, it's also going to be clever. Like, the, there were certain mm-hmm. there were certain things that in his mm-hmm. movies, like, you hear people saying, it's like, that's a very that's a very funny thing to hear when someone is getting shot. Like, um, and so that film, uh, the film itself seems like that's one of those kind of selling points. This is, this is Guy Ritchie making a John Wick movie. This is this is the revenge series that Quentin Tarantino made really popular, and it's done now with Jason Statham. Now it's done with the guy from Crank. That that movie I really liked, you know, because he's like he's got that whole like 
you know, could die at any moment and he's in this rush and this frantic thing and it's like real high, high paced uh, movie. So that was, I thought that was an entertaining one. So that's probably why I like Jason Statham, you know, Transporter is obviously his big movie, but um, you know what you're getting with him. He's, he's, uh, he's like the European Bruce Willis, I guess. I don't know. He's shaved and badass, and I can see that. I don't know. I, he's yeah. a, if Bruce Willis was a better action actor, he would be Jason Statham. I mean, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. Like Die Hard is a cool movie, but what is it? Frank in uh, um, in the Transporter. That guy would fuck up John McClane seven days a week. Like that guy beats yeah, the shit out of John McClane in some hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. Uh, John McClane's tough. I mean, like he fought. You know, he got, he regained the p- control of the towers without shoes on. I'm thinking it's a Guy Ritchie movie with Jason Statham uh, and Brad Pitt's in it. What's that one from? Like it's like the mid '90s. It's um, not Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrel. Twelve Monkeys. That's one that was on my mind, but. Uh, yeah, um, no, um, it's, ooh, he's yeah. He's like a fighter, like snatch. Brad Pitt's like a snatch. snatch, that's the one, yes, that's good, I like that one. So that, yeah. that I imagine that's Guy Ritchie, is that Guy Ritchie? With, that's a Guy Ritchie movie. That one too? That's a Guy Ritchie yeah. movie, and, and I think, um, so apparently this film started filming in November of 2019, and, and mm. I'm sure they're, watching the film, it felt like it was a probably more, for me at least, it was a product of like COVID filming. Initially, like I was excited, like I felt like, oh, these they kept people employed uh, during the uh, the pandemic. Granted, they had to keep people far away or do whatever it was they had to do, but they still made the movie happen. But apparently, um, and and we're still doing some research on this from uh, the Cracker Jack staff. That's a, that's a direct theft from Blaine Bannock, the Cracker Jack Research Center. Um, yeah. No, so uh, Jacob. So how been, long the production? Maybe they had a production gap. Might have stopped. I'm assuming they, that they that they probably did because I had also read that like certain cast members were cast in February. So I'm sure that there was probably a stop in production at some point because well, I don't know about you. Um, yeah. Did you feel like like looking back on it, some of those characters and some of those conversations uh, and scenes? were blocked in ways that would keep people from interacting with each other. Yeah, I mean, like, you made a comment. Maybe you notice uh, they're more distanced than they needed to be, or or uh, I didn't notice too many masks, honestly. Yeah, obviously, like, probably a, a little creative thing on their part. Like, let's do a, a, you know, bank robber movie with where they have to wear masks to cover themselves anyways. It seemed to make that work or something, but um, I don't know. Like, yeah, there's probably parts you notice that they have tried to do that. There were just there were certain things. What do you know? What you notice? There there were certain things like the like the masks, like the blocking of people and the conversations that they were having. It seemed like nobody was in anybody's direct airflow way. You know, like everyone is kind of kind of out of the way of anything that might be yelled from another human being. Um, right. Now, the characters' like interactions, right? And, and there's a lot of, and granted, there's a lot of trauma in this movie, right? But, yeah. but people yeah. aren't very intimate. 
Like even even the scene right after intimacy, there's no intimacy. Nobody touches. Nobody really touches in this film, but everyone has like a tight bond. But there was that one there was that one girl that Jason Statham got with that he worked with. Yeah, but they never touched. Show me yeah. a scene where they touched. True. They, he was they like, actually yeah. they actually touched. If you're looking for a sex scene in this movie, you're going to be very much disappointed. No. No, it's <laughs> there not, was not. Yeah. There was, that was not a part of not a part of this. Yeah, but but nobody had any actual contact. Like like looking back mm-hmm. on the movie, um like there weren't a whole no, lot there wasn't any close like fisticuffs there. I, I don't remember person. any fisticuffs. I just remember seeing people get shot. Yep. Yeah. And you know, um, you yeah, from a distance. They weren't real too close. If you can't get within six feet of somebody, um, you know, because you know, you, you don't uh, you don't want them to get the COVID, you just shoot them. It mm-hmm. makes makes yeah. so much more sense. But so it is kind of a remake of this other um uh this other kind of robbery of a of a truck movie. Um so it's yeah. really like a lot of it is convenient, like that every time that there's a scene where someone has to run hard or there's any kind of exercise, their mouths are covered up. Like they've got motorcycle helmets on. Uh, anytime, but conveniently, they're all like armed thieves. There's so much going on. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a lot to wrap your head around. Would this, if this film is a product of like quarantine filming, how much different would the film look? Now, I'd like to point out that Guy Ritchie's last movie was The Gentleman, which um, starred Matthew McConaughey. So his last film uh, was a film starring an American taking place in, in Britain. This is a film starring um, a British actor that takes place in Los Angeles. Right. Yeah. I mean, is he British? I mean, he's British, but he's he's been doing action movies over here for like twenty years. Oh, Jason Statham? Yeah, he's um he's like our British dude. I'm sure he's probably like got a green card or like you know maybe he took a citizen's test. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he's here to stay. Like he's got a house and girlfriends and wives or whatever it is. His life is in the United States. Yeah. yeah. What What do you think about Bullet? So, you know, he, he opens the movie by bringing him on with that security company, and it's like, you know, they kind of set you up from the beginning, like, you're not supposed to suspect, you know, ha- what happens with Bullet there, but um, what, do you think, what do you think about that character? So, he and the Josh Hartnett character, um, they, yeah. they set it up so that the Josh Hartnett character looks like he's the bad guy in the group, right? They they portray that un- until he has his moment, right? Um, right. But it was always supposed... I, I think it was always supposed to be Bullet. Uh, just because yeah. those yeah, are the sorts of things in the Guy Ritchie film that are supposed to be a little bit more predictable. Um, what you really get into are like, like the, the chapter names, like Scorched Earth, 
or mm-hmm. what is it like uh, like liver, spleen, lungs, heart? Something about animals. Yeah, so that's, I, I kind of like the chapters. They kind of just kind of like break it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that's kind of like where the, the really cool storytelling comes in with these Guy Ritchie films. But this one was... I don't know. There were certain things that seemed to me like if you were really a professional bank robber, maybe you wouldn't have a brand new like work, like Ford work truck. Maybe you'd get something old that didn't have a stereo that it wasn't easily like tracked down. It maybe doesn't have the, the still customer or the still factory OnStar installed on it because. If you're robbing a uh, an armored truck, I mean, those things have GPS. And nobody in this film, spoiler alert, had any kind of long-term plan going into it. You think that the second that this place gets robbed and, and they're doing the, uh, um, they're doing their uh, uh, their their investigation into the, the robbery they're not going to notice that like oh bullet turned off these lights or turned off these cameras he didn't want us to know that you know yeah. like there there was just a lot of things in the film that were like these are some serious plot holes maybe um, yeah yeah these are these are plot holes that you could walk socially distanced through uh and still not come up with anything better mm-hmm. um what did you notice that the bullet is uh i recognize him from fight club he was in fight club he was one of like the uh you know secondary character for sure but oh, uh, so it's always you watch something it's like what have i seen that guy and i was like yeah he's fight club he was he was fight club you do you know which part he's like his name is ronald paulson blah 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 whatever yeah, yeah I, I don't know he he's probably been in a couple things he's not like a big guy big main but it's a lot of shit, that the but... guy from Fight Club was in this. Yeah. There's um, a connection. It's, you know, it's cool that, you know, Josh Hartnett, who we haven't seen in Dog, it, it seems like forever, but he's on, if I'm not mistaken, like Penny Dreadful. Um, or some other, like a mm-hmm. Showtime show or something. But, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it was cool to see characters that maybe we haven't necessarily seen from that perspective, um, but yeah. these scenarios we are kind of familiar with because this did feel like maybe because it's L.A. and it's a it's a heist story, it felt like heat, and because it's a revenge story, it felt like it could <clears> be a Tarantino <throat> movie, um, mm-hmm. but it felt like the film was very much empty. Like, I noticed that Los Angeles seemed to not have a lot of traffic in this movie for a movie about um, like hard getaways from uh, the police with helicopters and the police hunting you down. There was not a lot of traffic. I thought that there would be more traffic in Los Angeles and granted I've never been to Los Angeles, but judging from my experience playing... There's a lot of fucking cars. Well, in my experience of playing Grand Theft Auto, Auto, there's a lot of... uh, There's a lot of traffic there all the time. So... So your experience with L.A. is uh, in traffic in Grand Theft Auto? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. 
I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I don't know. It, I, w- I wouldn't want to be too many people. That's for sure. What's up? It's too many people. That's for sure. Yeah. Right. Um, and you didn't see any of them in this movie. Like, think about my only thought on that is I feel like maybe they like sometimes productions will probably like secure a street to close for first filming or whatever. But yeah, you'd think they want more people on the street for these, you know, when they're driving. I don't know. But, but it's, it's weird how you look at these things and think, like, you know, in COVID era, how different it is. Okay, so in Los Angeles, um, I believe it was Los Angeles, and uh, Siri can probably pull up the actual uh, information, put the link down in the bottom because he's awesome. Um, but in California, like, in certain circumstances, the only people that could work were folks that were in the entertainment industry. So if you were making a movie, you could still work. Hence why people wouldn't necessarily be downwind from each other. One guy is talking like this. One guy is talking like this. They're not actually, like, it looks like they're talking to each other, but they're not really in the way of each other. But they're still distance. They're still not talking to each other. Uh, but they're able to be mm-hmm. shot in the same scene, in the same frame, and if, and they don't move much. Mm-hmm. But I, I could be wrong, but that's just watching this film, that's how it felt to me. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. What do you, you know who you did like? You know who you did like seeing, uh, you know, there's several people died in this movie. Is there a memorable death for you? Talking Post Malone. Oh, yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> there, okay. Post there Malone. A, it's a small genre at this point, but it's still a genre. With movies like Spencer Confidential, where Post Malone just gets beat up or he gets killed, bad things happen to Posty. And I've got nothing bad to say about Post Malone. Bless his heart. But I really like seeing him <laughs> beat up and getting yeah. killed. And so, like, if you could, yeah, if you could put him in like the deep fake as entertainment, and I don't know if you and I have ever had this conversation uh, about deep fake as entertainment. I've seen South Park's thing on deep fake. I, I thought I found that hilarious. So like the South Park guys. Yeah, uh, sassy justice. So in the case yep. of um, like deep fake is entertainment now let's say a movie like top gun you can remove tom cruise and instead of tom cruise in top gun you could put in sigourney weaver mm-hmm. but sigourney weaver is going to deliver all of those lines like sigourney weaver would she would play the role uh she'd play volleyball and beat sigourney weaver um, she would deliver her lines like Sigourney Weaver. Um, this, uh, yeah. Where are we going with the deep fake is entertainment? Like, we were... We You're talking about Post Malone with another right, character. So Post like, Malone. Put Post yeah, Malone, put Post Malone yeah. deep fake is entertainment in any movie that you want with him getting his ass kicked and make it make sense. <laughs> so, like, uh, taxi Driver. Have you seen Taxi Driver? 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the Robert De Niro. Yes, Harvey Keitel played mm-hmm. a very bad human being, and yeah, and if you replace that character with Post Malone, the the death of Harvey Keitel in the end of Taxi Driver is so much more satisfying. <laughs> Bring someone from the you know 2010s into a movie from the 70s. That will seem out of place. The face tattoos and everything. Dude, he's a he's a unique character. Throw him in anything. Throw him throw him in anything. And um and the beating that ensues that makes it, you know, with with post Malone makes it absolutely worth it. And nothing bad to say about the guy. I'm sure he's like or something. Um but there's that's a fun character you like to see in a movie, and then it's like, yeah, he died. Cool. Yeah, I like that. It's expected um, with that with that role. He's, he's rolling yeah. up on Jason Statham. He's going to get shot in the face. But the film, you're right. It does have some memorable shooting deaths. Uh, when he has the guy who killed his son, spoiler alert, read off the coroner's report, and that's how he shoots him. Pretty cool. The force bumps. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. When he shoots the dude in the back uh, in the scene that may or may not have been necessary uh, on the way out, mm-hmm. um, there are just there are memorable deaths, there are memorable murders in this film. Mm-hmm. But the post, there's going to be a, a, a director's cut. There's going to be an HBO. Max, unedited cut, and it's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. There's how about how about like the uh, just that other crew there that like they're kind of like that military group. That okay. kind of it's like they did the whole thing where that they're like bored, and so then they get into like this heist idea to hit up this truck. That's I'm just curious, you know, I just, I'm not military, so just seeing how they played that, you know, with. I thought about oh, that yeah. one a lot today. Yeah. And I think it leads into a conversation um, I would like to have with uh, Cody Nicely. Uh, I'm not sure if you know Cody. He is a local singer, songwriter, uh, and also hosts a mm-hmm. podcast uh, about all things nerd. And one of the things that he had mentioned to me is that um, some of the ways that veterans are represented in film, they sort of have come to take the place of the bad guy, right? Mm -hmm. They are bored American veterans. They are guys Mm -hmm. that, um, saw some things and did some things. But these all like National yeah. Guard guys, like how did they all live together? Why did they all, if these dudes were in like a unit overseas, do they, uh, unless they were in the National Guard, they were reservists, how did they all end up living in Los Angeles afterwards? Like, I, I mean, the, the army's big and there's a lot of people that are in the army, but what are the Vegas odds that these, you know, six or eight guys 
that were in the army together uh, all ended up in Los Angeles together. I mean, they didn't like flush that totally through and they think they left some imagination, but they kind of just set up like these guys know each other from, you know, being overseas and stuff. And then it's like, uh, yeah. And then it just kind of how that one guy gets kind of, it's how the situation gets out of control. And yeah, I mean, so they, uh, they really just kind of, it's the social right. <laughs> plot hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, plot it's, hole. yeah. And everybody and, and, and in every one of these movies in Scarface, there's always that guy that's like trigger happy who, you know, who makes this situation worse. There's the guy that in heat that did, that did the shooting that, that started lighting it up and making people dead. Um, there's always, there's always that person. I mean, it's a tense situation. You see how panic can, can change shit and how things kind of developed. And, you know, things obviously went wrong in that, you know, that near the end there. Um, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to see what comes after this. Like, I feel like there's going to be something that comes from this movie, whether it's an origins movie or not. Like that's one of the cool things that I've seen in some of the revenge movies that uh, have come out recently. Movies like Nobody starring Bob Odekirk, uh, which is, yeah. I believe it was directed yeah, by the same guy that directed John Wick. And, and imagine like if John Wick's wife never got sick and John Wick like, retired up to a boring life in the suburbs. That's this movie. And it's mm -hmm. a great movie. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful movie. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That being said, like the revenge, the genre, the revenge genre, we'll call it the revenge genre, uh, has, has exploded over the last few years. It's, there are things that people like seeing. They like seeing the bad guy get murdered by a, a good guy and get murdered in a really bad and ugly, scary way. And I think that Pete, I think that yeah. that message is something that reaches people. Uh, this guy is avenging the murder of his child. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> the movie is everything you expect it to be. Uh, and I think that, I don't know, man. I, I, the information is sketchy at this point. I'm sure we'll find out better, but I think a lot of this film was done under COVID restrictions, and I am grateful that they kept people working. I'm very grateful that yeah. they kept people making movies during these, these events when other people couldn't leave the house. I think that is it's a blessing. Yeah. However, yeah. I, I feel like the if this is a pandemic movie, and we'll find out more uh, when Siri has better information for us, um, then I think the art suffered in the lack of intimacy, like without yeah. being able to be close to each other and enjoy the conversation. Yeah. If I, that was interesting. I felt like that was the first time I saw a movie in theater in like maybe more than a year, maybe two years. I don't want to inter interrupt your train of thought there, but it's been, it's been a while since I was in a theater watching a movie. I've been going back to the theater more steadily, and the mistakes that I, the mistakes that I made were like, 
movies I should have seen in um, like on streaming services, I went to the movies. And movies that I watched on streaming services, I should have gone to the theater. Uh, Godzilla vs. Right. Kong, I watched it on HBO Max. Should have gone and seen it in the theater because Godzilla and Kong fought on an aircraft carrier. You don't see that every day. But no, you don't. You could have gone. Did you see Mortal Kombat? Uh, I saw it on HBO Go. Did you see Mortal Kombat? Um, I, you know, I liked it. And the reason that I liked it is because it seemed like this movie, as opposed to like the first one, was made by people who enjoyed the game, who um, the game existed for. Like the first one, the one that came out in the 90s, it felt like a cash grab. It felt like it was there. And it existed solely to sell us tickets to go see Mortal Kombat, the movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and that was it. And that was it. But this was made by people who had, you know, played the game. Like, there are people mm -hmm. in this movie that weren't alive when the game came out but played it when they were 15. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's important. Mm -hmm. I think that when you do it, like the first one with, you know, like, Christopher uh, Lambert, the dude from The Highlander, playing Raiden. Yeah. You know, it was just kind of like sketchy. Like, there were just a lot of things in that film that didn't make a lot of sense to me in the first one. But in this one, there, I yeah. think... There it wasn't was a great movie, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a great movie, but it was... It was the very best Mortal Kombat movie we deserve. Like, we don't... There, there shouldn't be a, an Oscar-winning, um, character-driven Mortal Kombat. Like, who, who... We don't want that. We want Scorpion, Sub-Zero. We want, um, you know... We want, we want to see hands flying. We want to see, you know, bicycle kicks. We want to see fatalities and, and potentially even babalities in the future. <laughs> but like, but the movies that we, I think that, that we're going to be getting, um, because that film was uh, not an expensive film to make it look like. There wasn't really anyone in that film that I recognized from anything else. Mm -hmm. um, I mean... Yeah. That could be a good thing to do. I mean, that was a great certain thing. types of movies. That was yeah. a great thing for a Mortal Kombat movie. I didn't recognize anybody, so you can bring them back the next time or replace them. I won't know the difference. Um, it's not like it's not like they remade it and they used like Jamie Foxx for Jax, and now they've got to replace him because he doesn't want to come back for yeah. the amount of money they're willing to pay him. The guy that played Jax in this movie will likely come back for whatever money they're going to pay him. If not, they can mm -hmm. replace him, and none of us will know the difference. Yeah. And you can do that with every character in the movie. It's perfect. Yeah. But in the deep fake world, you can replace everybody in that movie with Brad Pitt. And that just makes things more interesting. <laughs> or the guy that played Bullock. Right. Give that guy some more. He needs a head. He needs to get the head of a movie. You have him as Scorpion 
and Sub-Zero going head-to-head, I mean, you've got gold. Mm-hmm. All right. Throw it together. Throw it all together. All right, Dan, uh, I'm, now it's getting late uh, in Alaska, and it's weird because I say that. It's like 10 o'clock, but it's still light out. It is. It's nice. All right, real quick, tell folks about the Kenai River Wolf Pack. What what is that? What do you do? And uh, and all of the good stuff. Oh yeah, let me put on my rugby hat here or my uh, other hat here. Uh yeah, man. Just uh, we play rugby in the summer all in Kenai uh, Thursday nights. We meet at the uh, Millennium Square Field, is what it's called, but it's a field right behind the back door. Um, right at the corner of uh, Spurview and Frontage and Kenai. Um, just is a great, great game to kind of get out and get around and run around and uh, throw the ball around, get to know the game of rugby. We've had a team since uh, 2009 in, uh, in Kenai here. And so every, uh, every July we host a rugby tournament, a tennis tournament uh, or during Dipnet Fest. So, we just call it, we call it Dipnet Fest and all the Alaska teams come down and it's a, it's a fun party. It's a real social rugby. We're there cause we love playing the game and um, get the hand out afterwards. So it's kind of a big party every summer in Kenai and man, the city of Kenai has been awesome. You know, just uh, have, having the teams come in and uh, it's a, just a fun weekend of rugby. And so, you know, our team, Man, this team's been around for like ten years, and we got some guys that are getting older, and it's like, need some of that like need some new recruits out and get some younger people out, and it'd be fun to kind of show the game to people and uh, kind of get some get a good team together, get some new guys out, and uh, just enjoy an awesome sport. So I've been yeah, enjoy it. I've been here eight years playing rugby in Alaska. I think it's worth. Sorry about that. I mean to interrupt you. I just want to make so some of the names of folks that uh, have played with Kenai River uh, Kenai River Wolfpack. Uh, the the first one that came uh, comes to mind is UFC veteran uh, Victor Rodriguez. In the past, has played rugby right. with Kenai River Wolfpack. Um, yes, it has. Uh, Fred Koski is is another gentleman who's played Koski. with the Kenai River Wolfpack. Um, but going back to this tournament that you guys. Uh, have you had mm-hmm. teams from from the lower 48 come up and uh play as well you've had some female rugby teams uh come up yep. from wisconsin wisconsin the tits they're the touring and training side and they uh it's a team that in the summer these groups of girls will go pick these tournaments they like to go you know and travel all summer playing rugby and you know vegas is a big spot there's there's, you know, Nashville and Montana has a big tournament. So there's real big rugby community in these, all these different places. And it's just a connection of uh, this girl from uh, Fairbanks. She plays with Fairbanks team and she came up to Alaska and just loved it and wanted to tell her friends at her team in Wisconsin. And then, so, you know, anytime a team can get a chance to come up to Alaska and visit and, you know, Anchorage does a really good job. There's a guy that owns the, Alaska Mountain Rugby Grounds, which is a premier rugby facility in Anchorage, that they host a big sevens tournament in June, and they're going to have like, I think they're going to have thirty teams present at that at that tournament. It's like two day tournament, 
Um, and a lot of teams from all over the country come, and it's a chance for these guys to come up and play in Alaska. Um, but anyways, this team in Wisconsin, they, they've uh, they've come like three or four years in a row because they love Alaska, and they, they prefer our tournament. It's a real fun social tournament. And so, you know, so the women's teams have a lot of fun. And uh, we've also gotten some other uh, just players from just sparse players from all over the country that have been heard about our tournament and just come to come through and play. So that's cool. I mean, we've done this tournament like 10, about 10 years straight, you know, and it's gotten bigger each year and it's been, you know, a lot of fun every year. So we always try and get some, get some other teams up and play with us and visit. So. What's your favorite thing about hosting the tournament? Uh, I mean, hosting is quite a bit of work, you know, it's not, you know, I always want to, uh, make sure teams come in and have a good time. So I feel like, you know, I want to be a good host and, you know, we, you know, it's dip net. So we want to like feed some of the team salmon caught from the Kenai river. It's a huge attraction that we have. The teams can come camp. Uh, a backdoor bar is 500 feet away from our field. So our social drink up is like right next to the field. Um, so nobody has to go anywhere and drive anywhere. A lot of these socials, you play rugby and then you go to your hotel or whatever, you go wherever, like everything's right. We're like right there. You got your tent over here. You play rugby, you get up, you're, you're hunt over, you get up, play rugby, you uh, drink all day. And then you pass out right next to your tent. Like you don't have to go anywhere. It's all. So it's just, it's just a real fun time in the summer. Just all these people get together and um, everyone tells me they come every year. They just have a fun time at a tournament. And um, so it's kind of just rewarding. Like our team is, you know, we're not there to take the trophy. You know, we have this big trophy. There are some teams that are pretty good. They come in, play a lot more than, than Kenai does. Kenai is a local club. We're out there to have fun and play. Um, but it's, it's just about like the, the camaraderie, the social aspect of hanging out with these getting all these other teams and these people that come through just kind of that circle life with rugby, you know? So I think that's just a rewarding part of host a tournament is just seeing everyone coming down and having a fun time. So that's what we do. All right. Uh, Dan, thank you very much. If folks want to get involved in rugby, how do they get a hold of you? Um, Facebook page, Kena River Wolfpack Rugby Club, or on Instagram, uh, and Wolfpack Rugby, and just uh, you know, I've got something to, but we're just at the Kenai on Thursdays. You know, if you're ever interested in coming down, playing, and checking it out, you know, we're always happy to kind of show some people the game and just throw the ball around, have have fun with it. So, all right, what's just look look for the club. Uh, Thursdays at seven in Kenai. All right, Dan. Thank you very much. That's what you do, jujitsu, isn't it? Yeah, jujitsu. I'm glad you brought that up. Goes on uh, Monday through Thursday at All American Training Center at 7 p.m. However, you said this is Thursday. That this happens Thursday. Thursday. You can take a night, be outside in the field, and there's we always have beers after. Get some vitamin D. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. Get outside and run around. You need some cardio in your life too. You do need some sure. a different kind of cardio <laughs> in my life. I get it. I get it. I get Absolutely. it. Absolutely. All right. Well, Dan, thank you so much for your time again. And uh, uh, right, ladies, others, we're gonna we're gonna touch more on this film. This this is a really complicated film. 
There's a lot going on. And it is currently showing at the Orca Theater on K Beach or wherever your fine movie viewing venue is. It's probably there. Otherwise, you don't have a fine movie viewing venue. Or just wait to stream it. <laughs> just wait to stream it. I'm, I'm sure it's on Fire Stick. Asylum, located at 35165 KB Drive, behind Save You More. I have not been there in a few days, but to be totally honest, it's been a nice couple of days here, so I've just been doing some walking on the trails with Young Hicks, and I will probably be in there tomorrow to do some club swings and some do, to do some, uh, some kettlebell stuff, but, you know, like, as the spring and summer in Alaska kind of emerge... I like doing stuff outside because why not go outside and get some good old uh, vitamin D, all right? But if you are looking to pick up some heavy stuff and put down some heavy stuff and get super duper jacked, Iron Asylum is the place for you. They are open 24 hours a day, seven, seven, all seven of them, days of the week. Give Brandon a call at 907-953-4720 and set up an appointment to check out the gym today. That number again, 907-953-4720. Also, Red Run Cannabis Company, located on the Kenai Spur Highway. They grow cannabis, they make oils out of cannabis, and they also make edibles and drinkables out of cannabis. Yes, they are the people behind the original lemonade in the great state of Alaska. And not like the original lemonade, like they, they were the very first people to make lemonade. No, not at all. But they are the very first people to make it with cannabis oil, and they gave us Hashade. They also make canna caps, honey sticks, peanut butter, and I'm sure much, much more. And I'm sure there's much more on the way coming, all right? Now, if you are interested in getting your hands on some Red Run products, speak to the fine folks at your nearest uh, dispensary, no matter where you live, in Anchorage or Juneau or Ketchikan. As long as you're in the state of Alaska, if you are in the state of Alaska, then everything that I just said uh, applies to you. Oh, also, you are 21 or over. If you are 21 and over, you can go to a dispensary, you can get your hands on some Red Run Hashade, and you can just make yourself 
a delicious drink. Now, if you are on the Kenai Peninsula, you can stop by their store. They are like the Nike town of Red Run products, except with uh, way better ethics. Now, because Red Run makes their own oils, nobody can beat their prices on extracts. And that's why they have three different price tiers for cartridges in the half gram and full gram. From as little as $35 a half gram, man, these are just super duper low prices uh, for the products that you are getting. Now, also moving on, they also carry products from other makers of edibles like Lady Grey. If you're trying to get your hands on the Ivory Palmer made famous by the one and only Ben Farley, Get your hands on some of the Lady Grey Black Tea and get your uh, get your hands on some Hashade. Mix up the drink and have some fun. We've got more drinks coming your way. If you like drinks uh, with uh, you know with cannabis oil, there's a lot that you can really make and, and make it. You should. They also carry edibles from Creative Confections, so you should get your hands on them as well. They make good products. They make good stuff. All of it is is good good stuff. All right, for more information, check out redruncannabiscompany.com or Weedmaps for their current menu. All right, I will have more reviews coming your way very, very soon. All right, ladies, gents, and others, here is your cannabis warning. Now get out there and kick today's ass. Don't let it kick yours. As per 3AAC 306.360 Alaska Marijuana Control Board Cannabis Use Warning A, marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. B, marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. C, there are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. D, for use by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. And E, Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding.